Hey everybody, welcome to Canary Cry Radio. It's episode number 173, Fellowship Fighting Fascism. My name is Gans. We'll get to Basil and our guest, Patrick Holland, in just a second. We're going to talk about what spiritual warfare looks like in 2024 America. And the answer might be political. But before we get into it, just real quick, this podcast operates on value for value which means Canary Cry Radio and Canary Cry News Talk. Don't do any advertisements, no affiliate codes, no products that you don't need being pushed into your brain because we reject the worldly theology of advertising. And while mainstream corporate media crumbles with their talking heads and personalities all looking for ways to survive independently, we've proven here that the best way for podcasts like ours to survive is to let it be produced by you, the listener, or viewer. So we really appreciate all the producers out there for your time, talent, and treasure. If you're a listener of the show, the content's always going to be free, but it's the people, the producers, who are continuing to make it happen. And in fact, if you are a producer of the show, you can put it on your CV or resume, put in there, producer of Canary Cry Radio episode number 173, or whatever episode you decide to produce. And we will vouch for you. So go to canarycry.support to learn more. You can give a one-time gift or subscribe to things like the Supply Drop, the Babysitter's Club, T-Shirt Council. You can become a knight or a dame of the Canary Cry Roundtable for people who give $1,000 or more over time or all at once. And we just had our first Baron and Baroness. So it's a lot of exciting stuff happening there. We thank all of our producers on air on Canary Cry News Talk episodes. And we're eternally grateful for all the people who... Help us keep this podcast going, which is a long time. Canary Cry Radio since March of 2012 and Canary Cry News Talk since March of 2016. But enough about that. Let's dive into the conversation. The United States has descended into a post-constitutional feudalism. Our current fascistic system of public-private partnerships that allow corporations to fornicate with governments has eroded not only our society at large, but our very own communities. But there is a way to push back against this tide of tyranny, and it aligns with all the tenets of biblical spiritual warfare in the most literal sense. And if you need an example, look no further than our returning guest, Patrick Holland of the Missouri Freedom Initiative. Patrick is back just after five episodes to give us not only an update on the historic week in Missouri politics, but also a template on how every single one of us can act in our very own communities to ensure that nefarious demonic agendas do not become institutionalized by our local leadership. And in fact, if you look around, it's really the lack of action of the citizens of the United States who have allowed this country to get to where it is today. I understand that there are greater powers at hand, but there are ways to push back. And it's important to talk about how to do that peacefully, properly, and biblically. Now, I keep missing these conversations with Patrick as I was out for episode 167 as well, the last time he was on, but Basil does a wonderful job with the interview. So while I'm over here trying to figure out what is going on with all of my computers and internet and the machines that are supposed to help me make these things, let's jump right into today's episode, Fellowship Fighting Fascism. and disappointed and as angry as you are. Yeah. And my message to you, if you hear my voice, no matter what corner of the state you come from, I want you to know, you are not alone. Yeah. There are patriots all 
leader that we know we can be in these United States. Now we have two opposing rallies today. We have one of life that is affirming of God, his truths, and, and his ordaining of life. And we have those who wish to extinguish and wish to, to snuff life out. We are on the side of the Lord God Almighty. We are the ones that are victorious. We have already won, but we cannot give in. We cannot grow weary. We cannot grow faint in this time. The short story is we've been pushing for some big Republican reforms uh, to protect our Constitution from some of the pro-abortion uh, initiatives that are trying to re-enshrine uh, abortion into the Missouri Constitution. And so we're trying to take action to protect against that. And uh, our leadership really hasn't been on board. So we've been stalling other action in the Senate chamber. Uh, and it's made uh, the leadership team pretty upset, pretty uncomfortable. Uh, so uncomfortable, as a matter of fact, that they retaliated against us last week by starting to strip these chairmanships from us, uh, taking our parking space they were even talking about removing the furniture out of our public offices. So uh, it, it's kind of silly and it's unfortunately it's kind of petty, but uh, for us, it's about policy. Hey, everybody, you are listening to Canary Cry Radio and Razzle Dazzle. I'm your best buddy, Basil, and you're not crazy. We got a great opportunity for all of us to learn to connect with the most important type of politics in america and that is local politics whether it be your uh, city your uh, county your state whatever it is that is where the real change happens and that is where as we've learned before we can have the most impact on our daily lives last time this was uh, about a month or two ago we talked to patrick holland from the uh, Missouri Freedom Initiative, who learned us a thing or two uh, about what's going on in the world and at the grassroots movement, particular in Missouri, but what we can all do uh, to exercise our political rights in America. And there's been some hullabaloo lately on all fronts in the United States, and uh, I thought it'd be a wonderful opportunity to take up Patrick Holland's invitation to come on the show soon. And here we are. Look at this. No waiting years in between for repeat guests, folks. Uh, so I'd like to welcome once again, Patrick Holland from the Missouri Freedom Initiative. How's it going, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me back, Baz. Baz, yeah. do we know each other well enough? I can call you Baz now. You can call me Baz. Yes, we, right, have cool. gone, we have gone through the fires of uh, podcasting together. And that really is how you form sort of that male brotherly uh, friendship that can, can take you to the end. So I'm happy to have you call me Baz. And uh, I'll, I might call you Pat at some point. I don't That'll know. That'll work. Okay, there we go. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of just going to jump right into some stuff going on, um, if you don't mind, and you then you can take us away uh, into what, whatever channel you think is the thing to do. So, first of all, I have it on good authority, not from the mainstream media so much, but uh, from some grassroots uh, rumblings that Missouri has had quite an exciting week as far as state politics goes. Um, are you able to tell us a little bit about that? I can. I can. Okay. And, and thank you for mentioning that. You know, I, I, I'm going to say one more time. If you're looking to the to the news for federal government news, 
for, you know, your intrigue, you know, or for your drama or for your entertainment. Yeah. Uh, in Missouri, we don't have to do that. We got it right here in the state government level. And we just, uh, there was a, uh, well, it was called a protest, but it was not a protest. It was a rally that happened in the state of Missouri. And this was in our state capital on the second floor in a place where you don't hold rallies because the place that you would hold a rally was previously taken by another group. Now the uh, grassroots in Missouri put this together to support something called the Freedom Caucus. Okay. Now I'm not gonna give you a whole lot of background because I don't wanna be boring about it, but just like DC has a Freedom Caucus, Missouri has one too. And okay. it's made up of constitutional conservatives. Yeah, okay. So for people who might not know exactly what a caucus is or what the significance of a Freedom Caucus would be, how would you describe that to, to an bet. alien? It's it's kind of a way, it's kind of like a club within a club. And we're okay. not talking secret societies here. I was going to say, the, but okay. Yep. The Republicans <laughs> refer to themselves in, in the state of Missouri as a caucus because mm -hmm. they're of one party. But sometimes they fractionalize into smaller parties. And uh, in this particular instance, the Freedom Caucus is a caucus within the existing conservative or GOP caucus. So their agenda is the, Const the United States Constitution and the Missouri Constitution, small government, low taxes. I mean, the stuff that you would find pretty much on, you know, the I would say probably the platform, the party platform. Okay. The reason they do that, because you're, the next obvious question is, why would someone do that? Because that's already the GOP platform. That's what the caucus platform is. Well, it may be, but they're not following it. I mean, when's the last time, you know, we saw a Republican running, is particularly for federal government, that was saying, we need smaller government, we need lower taxes, we need more liberty and freedom for the people to make their own decisions. You just yeah, don't hear that anymore. Yeah, it's not. It's, a, you know, it's, it's tough with this uniparty we have in the federal yeah. government it's you know it's almost at least for people like me perhaps the people who listen to this show it's it becomes very complex if not completely useless to kind of talk about partisanship um yeah. Although it is very easy to get sort of sucked into the uh, the right-left paradigm as far as the, the federal government is concerned. Is there a difference in state politics? Is it a little, a little bit more helpful uh, to <clears throat> think and act in partisan ways? Well, that's an interesting question because the frame of reference I have is other states compared to Missouri. Right. And, and I'm going to preface it by saying it is really tough to get good things done in the state of Missouri. It's not necessarily tough in other states to get things done, conservative things done. Interesting, because you, you guys are certainly doing a pretty good job of it. Uh, well, we're trying, and it's taking an enormous effort. You know, uh, the whole paradigm is based on, and we're talking about the right-left paradigm, because we're going to leave the uniparty you know, argument out for a second now okay. and just talk about the paradigm that people believe in, right-left yep. paradigm. It's... All I got to do is make sure I vote for the R or vote for the D and they will carry my interests. Right. It doesn't work this way, folks. It never has. Uh, Missouri is proof of this, but other states are too. The federal government is certainly proof of this, that you don't necessarily get conservative stuff out of R's. 
in 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 some cases, you know, maybe you know a little less frequently, you don't necessarily get liberal policies out of a D. Sometimes, mm. yeah, right. So, so it, there's much more to being a free citizen in the state of in the state of Missouri and and indeed in the United States of America than just voting. You have to follow up. You have to keep their feet to the fire. And we're going to go into stories here in just a little bit here, including what happened at the uh, at the rally. But the, the important thing to, to even start with is using your, uh, you know, free will to vote for who you want at the ballot box is only using 1% of your power as a citizen of your state. Oh, interesting. You have a lot more to do. And a lot of that has to do with emailing and phone calling and visiting with your representation to hold their feet to the fire, to make sure that your voice is louder than the lobbyists that are visiting them sometimes on, on daily or weekly basis in their offices. Patrick, does that mean that you are going to give us right now the, uh, the political action limitless pill? That we can <laughs> no, <laughs> I wish I could, uh, you know, because, you know, many of us work a job. So, oh yeah. So, you know, we're, our, we're limited by our time. But if we're wasting our time frivolously being keyboard warriors and giving our opinions inside echo chambers, um, you know, we're not using our time effectively, our energy effectively. Indeed, our power is not being used effectively. Now, I talk to politicians all the time, sometimes even in D.C., although that's not my interest. I talk to them about stuff we're doing in Missouri, by the way, generally. And. I just got to tell you, politicians generally don't go into echo chambers. They don't read what everyone's saying in echo chambers. What's more important is picking up that phone and calling up a politician or emailing that politician, or better yet, the most effective way, and trust me, I know this, is to visit them. Mm, And I'm not talking in D.C., I'm talking in your state, folks. Visit the politicians face-to-face. Talk to them. You know and we we may have touched on this before, but <clears throat> it's interesting because we kind of automatically, because we are so focused on the federal government and uh, federal representatives are so far away, especially if you live on the, the left coast, you know, you're talking 3,000 miles to see your representative or something, unless they happen to swoop through for a rally or a speech or whatever. Uh, but, you know, so it's hard for us to sort of, realize or picture or whatever the idea that we're supposed to have one-on-one human interaction with our representatives Mm -hmm. that's why there are representatives and it's funny because we are we should know that that's a that's a a powerful idea in american politics that does not happen everywhere in the world and yet (laughs) this this sort of I don't know what it is, if it's some sort of Puritanism or, or just, uh, I don't know, tr- tr- uh, social anxiety or something, <laughs> depending on what generation you're in, uh, that the idea of bothering your representative at their office seems not only like awkward and unfun, but it seems illegal. <laughs> like yeah. the idea of just walking in and visiting your representative feels 
illegal to people, especially, you know, for whatever reason. Now, of course, your representative, they're busy people, allegedly, and, you know... Allegedly. Yeah, right. They're busy (laughs) making phone calls for fundraising, at least. That's not an easy job, Patrick. It's Uh, not. And you know for a fact that they're not necessarily going to cherish the opportunity of meeting, you know people they represent one-on-one several times a day or a week or even a month or whatever. Uh, so it it's, signed, it's sort of like deeply in some vein of the American cardiovascular system that says, eh, don't bother them. I don't want to be a bother. Well, being a part of the cardiovascular system is an interesting uh, context to throw this in because if 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 a politician makes you feel that you're somehow the cholesterol in the artery of their daily life, shame on them yeah. because that's what they're there for. And I will tell you, and I'm going to defend some, some folks up in Jefferson city right now, certainly not all of them. There are some folks that we have in Jefferson city that are representatives and senators that are genu- genuinely happy to see constituents come and visit them. Mm, wow. They will drop everything. Um, in fact, you know, if you schedule in advance and if they're on the floor, you just pull them right from the floor. Just tell their L.A. or legislative assistant, L.A. is how we shorten it here. Um, just tell them you want to talk to them. They'll go pull them right off the floor and bring them back to the office so you can meet and talk with them. Really? You made the trip up to the Capitol. They're going to make time for you generally. Now, that is not true with all of them. I could even throw out names on people who won't do that in our Capitol. No hmm. matter, unless you you bring a check. If you bring a check, they'll come off the floor for you. Sure. But, there's a senator with the last name Sierra Boy, mm-hmm. um, where I have uh, a lot of people in the Missouri Freedom Initiative have complained about him. They simply never get to meet with him. He never makes time for them. He's a senator. He's a rhino. He's what we call a rhino. Mm-hmm. He runs as a Republican, but his voting record says something very different about him. Uh, so, yeah, and so I didn't throw that in there just to be divisive. I just want people to know that that's the kind of Republicans that I've seen up in in Jefferson city that, that are not as happy or, uh, let's just say excited about making time for constituents that make that long journey or that trip to Jefferson city, wherever they come from in the state. Yeah. I mean, I guess that makes sense. If, uh, if a representative has no interest in talking to the people they claim to represent, it's probably because they're not actually representing them. Yeah, kind you of. Know, yeah. It's, I mean, so, it's kind of, it's just kind of your basic kindergarten logic here. If he's supposed, or he or she is supposed to represent you, and yet they're not coming in contact with you, that they, at some deep level, have no interest in knowing what you think because they have no interest in actually representing your ideas uh, in the legislature. Yeah. And, and I was just up there Tuesday, you know, literally two days ago, we're recording this on Thursday. Um, but I was up there two days ago and I went to go see my rep twice, but both times I went to see my rep, he was meeting with other people. Mm -hmm. So I just stuck my head in the door and waved at him. You know, that's all I could do. I wasn't going to interrupt his meeting with other people. If he were in his office alone, I would be in his office chatting with him. Uh, so that's, just an example of why I didn't meet or have a sit down with my rep. However, I did with my senator. 
So uh, had no problems actually meeting with my senator, Mike Moon. Great. Um, so and, and once again, this is on the fly, gang. I didn't call these people up and tell them I would be there and I wanted to meet with them. I just show up at the Capitol and then show up at their office. You know, this is what I do. And, and you're right. The, the notion that there's this transient idea that this might not be apropos, this might not be legal, this might not be um, appropriate right. to just drop in on a representative and a senator in their office in the Capitol is insane. That's exactly what the Capitol is open for. Uh, so anyone can go to the Capitol, yeah. anyone, and go meet with their reps and, and senators unannounced at any time. So there's no issue with that. And that's in the state of Missouri. I assume it's the same in most states, and if not all. Yeah, I think good, the capital good thing to check. <laughs> What's that? I'm sorry? Good good thing for people to check at home yeah, before showing up. Sure. I don't think it would be illegal in those states, but I think in some states they may have a more formal uh, setup where you want to call in advance or set up a meeting or something like that. Um, I, when, when you're calling and you can't make it to the Capitol for whatever reason, like you work a job or you have an actual real life, it, but you're still participating in the system by wanting to talk to representation, right. oftentimes the phone calls are scheduled. So I would call up my rep and say, you know, I, I definitely want to talk to you, Bob Titus. I, you know, so please, um, you know, set up something and, and his LA will say on the phone, okay, how about five fifteen today? We got right. an opening at 515. He can give you a call. Ooh, same day. Pretty good. Yep. Okay. And so that kind of stuff is normal. So that's kind of the context of what's going on, uh, the the state of play in Missouri. But uh, you had a rally recently. I did. Was it mm -hmm. with or for the Freedom Caucus or against the Freedom Caucus? What was what was going on? It was actually in, in support of the Freedom Caucus. That's actually starting to really get loud about how difficult it is. And, and by the way, this is a bigger idea, a big picture idea. If you ask a Freedom Caucus member, someone who has actually been elected to office, they'd probably give you a slightly different answer. My opinion is the, the Freedom Caucus is working really hard to get things across that take a lot of work, a lot of time, and uh, sometimes extreme amount of pressure to get good things done in the state of Missouri. They're tired of go along to get along, extreme compromise to the point where you run out the clock at the end of the legislative session and you can't get anything done, which is kind of the way things run in Jefferson City. So one of the ideas they're working with, and by the way, the rally was in support of the Freedom Caucus. The Freedom, a lot of Freedom Caucus members came and spoke at that rally. It was uh, uh, roughly, uh, the estimates are upwards of 400 people. And by the way, that wow. is not an exaggeration. I was there. Wow. And I'm pretty good at judging crowd sizes too. So I would say it was between 350 and 400 people is what I would say. And like on a five-day notice. gathering. Yeah. And especially when it was in an area that's not meant for gathering because that's the only space we had. It was not about comfort. There were no seats there were no chairs. Everyone had to stand. Uh, it went on for maybe about uh, 45 minutes, close to an hour. And there was an enormous, there was, in fact, I'll, I'll make sure that you have access to this. Um, we sang the national anthem at this, mm. at the very end of the, uh, so you get to hear 400 voices singing in unison. It was pretty, Ooh. it was pretty awesome, actually. America, land that I love. 
In it was the, right there in the building right. yep second floor inside Ooh. the building that's right this was a peaceful rally these the, these are people coming together to literally show their appreciation and support for freedom caucus members that are actually working on conservative ideals within the state of missouri in legislate in in legislation and in the legislature that's what they do. For instance, IP reform. Now, this gets to be boring, so I won't go for too long on this. Everyone remembers last November this big deal happening in Ohio. In, o- in Ohio, it was about, uh, we call it, it the initiative petition process. This is basically when um, the legislature uh, or the people can actually have something put on the ballot for the people to vote on. So that's what this is about an idea. And in the case of Ohio, it was over abortion, if you remember. And they were trying to change their IP initiative process to represent 60% of the vote. And it went down, that initiative process did not work. And then of course, they voted in abortion into their constitution. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in the state of Missouri, um, we have out-of-state players that are pouring millions of dollars into uh, signature collection gathering all over the state for 17 different initiative processes to put abortion in the Missouri Constitution all the way up to nine months. Oh, wow. And there's a lot of people in Missouri that are upset with this, me being one of them. I mean, full disclosure, uh, I've I've been active uh, for about five years at the state capitol, but I have 25 years of of pro-life activity that that I was doing even before that. Wow. So I'm a pro-lifer. So uh, they always have been. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So there's this, uh, of course, the, the broader conversation about abortion rights and giving that to the states has sort of become uh the uh, the dom- dominating idea i guess uh, sure and of course the, the left wants it to be that way and once again this is not a left right paradigm thing guys I, i'm trying to choose my words carefully because uh, you know once again this this isn't partisan as far as i'm concerned about getting abortion into the missouri constitution what we're worried about here in the state of missouri well i'm worried about abortion I, i'm not saying that about the freedom initiative what the Freedom Initiative is worried about is how easy it is to change the Missouri Constitution. And out-of-state players are actually funding that process. That is what kind of caught me by surprise. I mean, uh, Roe v. Wade, it was, mm-hmm. it was more of a, a case, um, what is it called? Uh, uh, I forget what it's called. When, when it's sort of applied, it's an implied rule because of... Uh, uh, a court ruling instead of right. being, you know, actually it's a decision. Uh, yeah. Right. Instead of it's being... a decision based on the 14th and fourth amendment. And it's a shame that it, it went on as long as it did. And it was considered a law because it was a decision between two people. Right. Precedent. And, that's, that's what I was trying to think. Yep. And so 
the the very fact that that illusion has left us now because they reversed the Roe v. Wade decision and it goes to the states is actually quite natural. Mm-hmm, this is right. the way it should be. Some people say this is a Ninth Amendment uh, issue, not a Tenth Amendment issue. Uh, but we're not going to get into that argument today. What I will say is that the Missouri Freedom Initiative is concerned about how easy it is to change the Missouri Constitution. And because it is so easy, we have the easiest one to change mm. out of all 50 states, according to my information. That's a 50% plus one. So oh. it's a popular vote. That doesn't it's, sound right. No, it doesn't, especially if you understand how the federal government works. Once you understand how the federal government works for changing the Constitution of the United States, you look at Missouri's and go, oh, my gosh, this is, we're like the D student of, of changing constitutions. <laughs> um, in the United States government, if you want to change the Constitution, it takes 75% of the states yeah. to do it. In Missouri, to change the Constitution, it takes 50% of the vote plus one additional vote. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the tyranny of the majority. I mean, Correct. that's yeah, that's that's exactly what the uh, founders were trying to avoid. That this straight right. sort of d- democrat, uh, sorry, straight democracy is actually a tyrannical sort of system. Sure, and may not it may not be immediately obvious when we talk about this, but when I tell you that it takes seventy five percent of the states, that has nothing to do with population anymore. That has to do with literally states. Mm-hmm. It's seventy five percent of the states has nothing to do with population. So they could be the smallest states. They could be a mixture of large and small. It doesn't matter. 75% of the states. And that's sort of, that's used to protect some of the smaller states. So the the big populations, yeah, don't, again, tyrannize the, the sort of lower population states. Yep. It's an easy concept to understand once you get or, you know, uh, fully wrap your brain around how it's changed for the U.S. Constitution. Now, what what we suggest and what we propose is that it should be harder to change the Constitution, but still let people have their voices. So concurrent majority is what we're currently working on here in the state of Missouri. And uh, Mike Moon's bill, in fact, I I don't even want to bring up bill numbers anymore because five of them got put into one and I don't have it with me right now. But we're looking for House District concurrent majority, which is something Ohio didn't even try. Now, when I talked about the Freedom Caucus and the things they're doing and why we're supporting them is because concurrent majority is the best idea that's ever been put forth for IP reform in a state, yet it's not allowed on the floor. This is not a new idea. It's about three years old. Hmm. And I even know the man who came up with the idea. And it's not allowed on the floor. And then we found out that certain, a certain organization in the state of Missouri was paying money into political PACs to make sure that it didn't show up on the floor into leadership, uh, you know, uh, political action committees. Sorry, can so, you define concurrent majority again? You bet. Concurrent majority is basically a a system going by um, using land, just like 50 states, Mm -hmm. 75 states, you know. uh, So what we do with concurrent majority is we translate that into land as opposed to people. Mm. So you can do it in several different ways. One of the, the two ways that are leading right now for concurrent majority in the state of Missouri is house districts. That would be state house districts. 
The other one is congressional districts, and that would be federal representative districts. Okay. So those are the two ideas. House districts would definitely be more representative of, of the people of Missouri, but uh, congressional districts is another viable option, and some people like that one too. We only have eight you know, of those districts in the state of Missouri. And we're talking about uh, congressional districts where we have representatives representing us to the federal government, Got eight it. of those. Okay. But house districts, you know, we, we actually have like was it 120 of those. Yeah, that sounds um, like the way to go. It does. Or at least uh, a good compromise. That's that's correct. It's better than a 60% majority. I'm, I'm not even happy with a 60% majority. I don't think that's a, a way to go. Uh, Ohio really missed the boat by not, once again, concurrent majority. The idea existed for Ohio. They could have gone with that. But for some reason, just like Missouri, it never ended on the floor of the House or the Senate in Ohio for debate. I suspect that there was someone with deep pockets making sure that idea didn't end up in front of legislators. So they so didn't have to... Go ahead. So the big, so the reason for the rally mm -hmm. was to uh, influence against uh, making that constitutional amendment sort of change to fifty percent plus one. That's the current system we have right oh, now. Oh, that's the current system. Okay. Mm -hmm. And oops. And what? Uh, what? What's? What was the rally specifically meant to achieve? It was meant to achieve uh, several things simultaneously. Number one, send a message to leadership. Uh, leadership, uh, I, mean, I, I almost need to do caveats with this. I need adjectives for, for leadership. Sure. Um, but leadership that are taking PAC money from corporations and, and uh, leadership that are not listening to the people, mm -hmm. leadership that can't make time for their constituents when they come to the Capitol to visit. I mean, there's lots of things I can go on about leadership. Rhinos, sure, corporatists, yeah. those guys needed to be sent a message that the people of Missouri stand with the Freedom Caucus. The guys that are against all that stuff, against the lobbyists, you know, piling in the PAC money, Got it. you know, for favors. Yeah. you know, in, in, within the political body, but also too to let them know and, and that the initiative petition process is very important to the people of Missouri. Whereas, you know, as opposed to literally throwing the bad ideas on the floor, throw the bad ideas on the floor. We'll take it, but throw the good ideas out too. They must, must go in front of those legislators as an option. And once they read it and see it, and I've seen it with my own eyes, I've actually helped to convert uh, someone in the Senate, in, and that was in 2022, actually helped convert him from not wanting to change the system to wanting to change it to concurrent majority uh, with a simple three-minute conversation. But they have to know the options available to them. And folks, I'm going to throw this out as another caveat. Don't assume that your politicians are really smart and know a lot more than you. And they, uh, they actually have everything figured out and they know exactly how things should run in a state. They need ideas. They need better ideas. Those better ideas have to come from someone. They yeah. might as well come from you. That's and an empower not, empowering prospect there. That's correct. And you form a lasting relationship with your legislator when you bring them a good idea. Trust mm. me. Um, they never forget that. Um, and 
it's not like they're going to give you credit for it. They're politicians. They like to, you know, take credit for stuff. And that's mm-hmm. cool. And as long as you're cool with that, you've got a friendship and you've got influence, you know, basically with your representation, which you should have had in the first place. Right. Right. Okay. These folks work for you. Yeah. So you, so, ha- you had this rally mm-hmm. and uh, it seemed, I mean, to be from the tone of your voice, it seems like it was successful in some way. It was. It was big. I mean, just let's just start with the size of it. Uh, not even the content, you know, with the speakership. The speakers, once again, it was not a good place to hold a rally because we were out of options. It was on the fly. It was thrown together in five days with grassroots all over the state of Missouri, not just the Missouri Freedom Initiative. In fact, we had a very minor role in, in this rally, very mm-hmm. minor. Um, we participated in it, but we didn't help set it up. And so I'd like to give a shout out right now to Catherine Dreyer with Rogue Politics for actually starting the ball rolling on this. Another grassroots organization in the state of Missouri doing great work. Great. Yeah. Um, And also, if you don't mind, I want to give one more shout out while I just thought about it. Yeah, go for it. Aaron Moffat called your show and wanted to uh, uh, say hello to me. And this was uh, when you guys had your call in Friday. Mm-hmm. And she uh, and I had interviewed her some five or six years ago through the Truth, Money and Freedom podcast. And I have yet to connect with her again. And if we keep giving messages back and forth, you know, through uh, Canary Cry, I'm good with it. But Aaron, it was really great to hear your voice again and to hear that you're still very strong into the silver and gold community. And uh, that's really cool that I'm reconnecting with people right through your show that I haven't seen or talked to in six years. Hey, Canary Cry, bringing people together, man. Yep. You betcha. (laughs) I love it. So, so yes, the size of it was impressive. The, the, the sound of it, the, the sheer volume of it was impressive. And once again, this was not a protest. This was a rally, but it wasn't a conducive place to hold it. So therefore the audio uh, quality was not really good. You know, because we weren't in the rotunda, we weren't in an area that was set up for this kind of thing. We were stuck in mezzanines on the second floor, you know, in a very inconvenient location, no seats. um, And yet people came and they were enthusiastic and excited um, and they got to listen to tremendous speakers. I mean, if you've ever heard Bill Eigel. Um, and actually speak, he's pretty good. I mean, he's he's very good at this, but so are the others. Um, Bill Eigel is often seen as the star of the show because, you know, he's big in the caucus. He is not the chairman. He's, he doesn't even hold an office position in the caucus, hmm. uh, but he's running for governor and he's a favorite, you know, with the, the grassroots. Okay. So, so what else did they accomplish in this? Well, they had cards to fill out and I'll, I'll make sure that you get this as well. So you can show it here. Uh, 300 cards because that's all they had printed out. We didn't expect this many people to show up, actually. Um, So we had 300 cards complaining about leadership taking away, and by the way, now we're getting into the crux of the matter. Why is the Freedom Caucus making so much noise right now, right? Why is the Freedom Caucus in the state of Missouri suddenly headline news? And I can provide you stories like this as well uh, because this did make the news. This is because leadership took away committee positions from caucus members in the Senate. And in fact, they didn't stop by taking away their committee chairmanships and, and committee chairs. They took away their parking spaces oh, in no. the Capitol. Oh, and then no. they, 
they're they're even and once again they're talking about it apparently taking away their furniture what uh, in their from state their offices, offices? Mm-hmm. okay so this sounds like somebody's going to drama. war yeah what's going on okay so the next question is probably why did leadership do this to freedom uh, the freedom caucus members and that's an excellent question the reason is because they were talking on the floor which is their job. That's what we hire them to do. But they're doing it in a special way called a filibuster. Ah. And this filibuster is over the initiative petition process. Remember I told you how concurrent majority, that option for initiative, and by the way, there's a zillion different kinds of, of changing the initiative process. Right. Concurrent majority is the newest, best way to do it that still everyone still gets their voice. And we'll go into more details of that later without boring people, hopefully. So that is never allowed on the floor. Well, that's what they were um, filibustering over, was getting those on the floor, because for three years in a row, we've not had them on the floor. Uh, Those ideas are left to die in committee, while the bad ideas for initiative process are always put on the floor as the only option, right? Right. So at any rate, plus also I think it's uh, the grassroots way of letting uh, folks like the... um, um, Missouri, oh my goodness, what are they? The ones throwing all that PAC money around, $200,000 of PAC money around. Uh, Missouri Realtors Association that is trying to oh. keep this idea off the floor as well. This oh. is pure fascism. Yeah. But we recognize it. And we, you know, we the rogue politics gals are really good at looking into PAC money and how that affects decisions in the Missouri legislature, in our General Assembly. What they do on the floor is often directly related to how much money is flowing into their PAC and from whom. And so we're trying to break that process, that cycle of <clears throat> of money uh, literally determining the politics of the state of Missouri because it's just not good for the people. Yeah. It's and just not good. Like you said, it's fascism. And that's something a lot of people sort of don't, uh, I don't know, it just doesn't come to mind when they hear fascism. They think, you know, uh, Trump or Hitler or or mm-hmm. Biden or whatever, you know, there's um, that's kind of the frustration about the left is they don't really know what fascism is, because if they did, they would know that they're basically in a Democrat-led fascist government as we speak. And it's, a, a, I would say, maybe the most important part about fascism isn't just the authoritarianism, although that's a part of it, but it's the the blending of corporations and the government. It's that's the correct. use of, uh, you know, legal business entities as a form of government, or at least, you know, practically, uh, in, in practicality. Uh, and so it's interesting to hear that Missouri is not immune. All the great stuff that well, I've learned about what you guys have been able to get done, uh, it makes it even more impressive knowing that money in politics is just as big of a factor in Missouri, if not more maybe, uh, than we're used to. Yeah, and I love my state, warts and all. Um, but we've got to get rid of the fascism in Missouri. And you're absolutely right. We're talking about an old definition for fascism. The definition has changed. Of course. But if you go back to the much, 1960s. Much like lots of definitions have Correct. changed over the past uh, few years. Yep. So the word fascism and the word gay transitioned into different, uh, I use the word transition. Did you catch that? Ooh. Uh, transitioned into uh, different uh, definitions roughly at the same time period in the 1960s. It's- what a what a coincidence. 
Yep. So you're correct. The original definition of fascism was the unholy blending, as you said it, of business or corporations with government um, for their own personal benefit against the will and the benefit of the people. Right. That's the original uh, terminology. And and by the way, Mussolini was supposedly the father of fascism. Yeah. But he preferred it to be called corporatism. <laughs> yeah. So he in an interview, he actually said that Mussolini. Yeah. So corporatism is another word for it. Mercantilism, crony capitalism. But fascism, if you look at Webster's Dictionary today, basically says totalitarianism. Yeah. Orange man and, bad. Yep. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, and I think it's interesting because uh, as a point I've been making recently on the show, it's just to help understand sort of the spirit of some things going on uh, in regards to the Middle East and specifically the Red Sea and the merchant ships, you know, being threatened by missiles. And so the United States um, taking action finally about something, whether it's right or wrong, uh, you wonder, okay, there's been so many opportunities uh, that they could have used for some sort of military action, and yet it is protecting the merchant ships. And what a lot of people uh, tend to sort of forget, or maybe it's just not apparent in the media that they are listening to, that a huge portion, a very core part of the spirit of the American government is specifically protecting merchant ships. You know, the Barbary Wars, like our whole, our whole country was really founded on the idea that we can protect merchant ships. We can protect uh, economies, specifically our own, but maybe those of our friends as well, or the globe as a whole. Uh, and so the idea that, hey, somebody's attacking merchant ships around the, around the world, especially if it's affecting American economy or our friends, that pierces the very core of the spirit of our government. I mean, the U.S. Marine Corps was created specifically to protect merchant ships. A lot of, uh, you know, the introduction of the southern states into uh, the the union as a whole had a lot of course it had a lot to do with uh, mercantilism but also merchant ships in the caribbean was a big uh, factor of american history too uh, so mm -hmm. do not be mistaken folks the the uh, government in collusion with corporations and uh uh, deploying not only American resources, but American men and women specifically for the protection of merchant ships and whatever modern metaphor you can think of for that is the heart of our government, or at least at the heart of what we might consider an unfortunate bit of our government mm -hmm. should not come as a surprise. And, and I think that's important that you mention that, you know, it's, uh, you, you mentioned, in fact, that's a very interesting time in American histories with the Barbary pirates in what Jefferson was dealing with during that time. And the communication in between politicians were in this, once again, we're talking about Muslims in the late 1700, early 1800s. Um, the, the Muslim or Islamic, you know, community was someone they felt they, they just couldn't negotiate with. Right. They absolutely couldn't negotiate with no matter what. They tried everything. And so then it came to literally sending out a Navy and just start blowing up these ships whenever you see them.
Yeah. And it was so, state sponsored piracy as well. Yes, that's so correct. It wasn't and it was, a rogue group of pirates like we think in the Caribbean. Correct. It was state sponsored piracy, which has an interesting, with rhymes in a strange way with what's going on right now with the Houthis in the Middle East. Sure. And, you know, the whole idea uh, of state sponsoring, you know, the random killing of people. Yeah. is uh, is anathema to us here in the United States, except if you truly understand, you know, many aspects of what we do with our military. Right. And I don't want to go down that road right now, yeah. but um, the military should be protecting and defending the United States of America. But what it has done, what it has evolved into being is protecting the interests of the dollar. Yes. Worldwide. Yeah. And, and just, just right. so everybody's clear, I've had to clarify this before, my enthusiasm about uh pontificating about this specific core of the spirit of our country is not done out of patriotism necessarily i'm not saying we're awesome because we will stop at nothing to protect uh merchant ships it's just we need to understand that this is when you when you realize that this is a spiritual ancestry of our government it makes a lot more things make sense and to ignore it would just be silly Absolutely. That's a good point, too. Uh, so if I could swing back real yes. quick here to, you know, the Freedom Caucus, uh, the the cards that were filled out, you know, basically for leadership, you know, for them to literally give back the committee uh, chairmanships or just chairs for all the Freedom Caucus members and for them to get their parking spaces back. That's yeah. it's wow. not a source of contention. Now, if you follow me on Twitter, you, you can actually see a lot of uh, liberals saying, oh, boo-hoo, the, the Freedom Caucus, conservative Freedom Caucus members are crying about their parking spaces. They're not. They're amused. Hmm. I'm talking to these guys. I actually talked to these guys when I was there Tuesday. Um, the, the, they don't care about their parking spaces. However, they're getting an awful lot of mileage out of the fact that their parking spaces were taken away. And I'm not talking how many steps it takes them to get to their office. Yeah. I'm talking about politically. Yeah. The pettiness. They're getting so many national interviews over losing their parking space. <laughs> um, they're not going to give the, up that opportunity to talk to the people yeah. ever. Yeah. Politicians are politicians. And the media is more interested in them losing their parking spaces yeah. because it's the liberal mindset, right? This right. is what they're really upset about. They they don't care about their chairmanships. They don't yeah. care about their seniority in the in in these um in these committees. They care about their close parking spaces. You know, right right close to the building. Um, you know, a few steps away from an elevator. That's what they care about. That's what they're upset about. Mm -mm. It's so uh, ironic. So frustrating. It's but this is the thing. Uh, when I first saw that, I was thinking, oh, dear God, they're going to concentrate on those parking spaces. I just know it. And I'm, I'm politically savvy that way. But the way they, they immediately turned it into, you know, a joke about the parking spaces. Mm. Uh, you know, I should provide you some more videos or, or pictures or something because they regularly camp out in their old parking place, uh, places, you know, with <laughs> their lawn chairs and their cups <laughs> of coffee. And they do podcasts from there now. Um <laughs> Is so, of course, there's no car there anymore, uh, but they are there in their lawn chairs talking, you know, about uh, what's going on in the Capitol. They don't talk about their parking space. They just transmit from there. That's the spirit. That's the spirit. You betcha. And so, 
so at any rate, the Freedom Caucus is, in, in a sense, starting to shake up this, the entire state, shake the jar, if you will, um, to let people know how bad the fascism is in the state of Missouri. Yeah. So they're doing a good thing. They're bringing an awareness to the body politic and also the people at large that may have never been involved in politics before who are scratching their heads going, we're a red state. We by capita have more Republicans in our General Assembly than any other state in the union, yet we can't get any red things done. Right. How is that? Why are we so purple on so many of our policies in the state of Missouri? Well, look no further than what the Freedom Caucus is showing us right now. These guys are getting outed. I meant for leadership to take away, um, you know, people's uh, chairmanships and parking spaces for simply using the power of the filibuster, which which is soundly within the rules of the Senate. They did not break any rules at all. None. Right. They didn't try to negotiate with them. They're just like, we're just tired of hearing you guys talk, so we're going to take away your committees. Uh, you know, we're going to take away your parking spots, uh, spots, and we're going to start talking about taking your furniture away from your offices too. And mm. then maybe you'll shut up. They haven't shut up one bit, gang. Yeah. But guess what? IP initiative process is actually moving now in the Senate. There we go. It's there working. Go. That's how it works. Concurrent majority is moving onto the floor next week. For the wow. first time in three years, we'll actually be able to hear concurrent majority, a better solution to an age-old problem that for three years leadership wouldn't allow on the floor to actually represent the people so good things are happening so yeah. that's kind of what the rally was all about um, plus also these guys are filibustering and of course they're getting a lot of negative stuff they're getting a lot of attacks you know basically from naysayers from liberals from the rhinos and the corporatists are all going after them so it was time for the people in Missouri that are that are constitutional conservatives, Christian conservatives, to come forward and show support for people who are actually representing their interests. So impressive that you have so many people in your state who will show up at the drop of a hat like that. Mm -hmm. uh, you've, yep. you've got some very uh, involved populace, and I think that's very impressive. Um, I don't know much about what's going on in other states, but I would hope that other states would be uh, either inspired or right alongside Missouri in that case. Now, you mentioned there was, uh, or somebody mentioned, there was counter-protesters. You, you had to be mm -hmm. upstairs in, mm -hmm. the, in the, the, the porch or whatever it's called. <laughs> the, the mezzanine. The mezzanine, that's what it is. The mezzanine, because the the sort of primary place where this rotunda. would be happening, the rotunda, was yeah. occupado. It was, and it was the League of Women Voters. Uh-oh. <clears throat> and they're Watch pushing... Out, boys. That's right. They're pushing uh, to get abortion, you know, into the Missouri Constitution. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I, I don't want to speak on their behalf. Uh, you know, I obviously am not with them. I don't know if they're for all the way up to nine months because there's ballot initiatives from three months all the way up to nine months. So I don't know what they were pushing uh, because they did have a petition downstairs that they were circulating. And so I don't know exactly which one they were for, but that's what they were for. Now, they were, were they... Using their did they show up specifically to counter protest or was it no. just a scheduling issue? That actually ended up being a thing where they had scheduled weeks in advance ah. to be able to do that. Ours, uh, theirs was well planned out in advance and they had about a hundred people show up. 
So, and by the way, that's not a small number, gang, for the yeah. rotunda. That's, that looks impressive. Yeah, you guys uh, are just inconveniencing everybody over there with the Freedom Caucus. Yeah, yeah, kind of, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, but freedom, you know, in itself and, and yearning for it is one thing. Actually working towards it is another thing completely. Yeah. And in their minds, they're working for freedom as well. Now, I would never take away anyone's First Amendment right. Everyone has a right to believe what they believe and, and what they believe is the best way forward. And But the whole idea behind free speech and being making sure that the best idea wins is that, is that there is no censorship. Yes. So uh, I'm glad that the League of Women Voters who want abortion put in the Missouri Constitution had a place to meet had a place to circulate petitions. Um, and of course, there was about 100 of them there, and they had weeks to set up. We had five days. We had roughly 400. Um, in our petition, it wasn't really petition. It was really index cards saying to leadership, give the Freedom Caucus their, their chairmanships back, uh, give them their parking sp spaces back, and please, please, step down from your leadership positions so we can hold new elections in the Senate. Yeah. And this and wasn't so that's this wasn't just to uh, representatives on the sort of more liberal side too. You you mentioned rhinos. So so you did you have Republicans asking Republicans to step down? Uh, that's correct. That's exactly what this was because yeah. the Freedom Caucus, I, you know, and I hate to speak for anyone um, because I don't fit in any box for Republican. I'm, and I, I call myself a constitutional conservative. Yeah. And that doesn't really fit into any of the main boxes that you can check a box for on a ballot. Right. Um, but I suspect that most people feel the same that that are supporting the Freedom Caucus. And it's just because the Republican Party has clearly left the reservation as far as their platform's concerned. Small government, limited government, more freedom for the people, more liberty, and low taxes. That is the Republican platform and it has been for years. When's the last time someone ran for president as a Republican that actually said, we need smaller government, we need lower taxes, we need more freedom and more liberty for the people? I actually know the answer to it, so I'm going to throw it out and I'll let you take a stab at it and maybe you maybe you know well i'm having a hard time uh separating out if the words coming straight from the candidate's mouth or if it's been sort of implied by their fans or something but it certainly sounds like something trump would have said i don't recall trump saying anything like that before yeah i, uh, I like but, i said i can't tell if he's actually said it or if i'm just assuming because of the people mm -hmm. who vote for him well, when uh, George W. Bush was running for president in 2000, mm -hmm. he did say that. Oh, interesting. So that's the last one that I actually heard on a standard stump speech saying, you know, basically we need to reduce the size of government and right. we need to lower taxes and we need to get more freedom back to the people. Yeah. Now, and, and I'm not a fan of George Bush. I'm just letting you know that that's the last time I heard someone running for president on the Republican side actually say that. Yeah. It's been a while so, since it's come out the mouth been of a the candidate. Yeah. And that's indicative of, of what we see happening oftentimes in state elections as well. So, you know, once again, voting is a solemn task. Almost, I would almost consider it sacred at this point because you really have to know what you're doing at that ballot box to prevent bad people from getting in. Yeah. You really have to do research. You have to take it personally. 
and make sure that you don't check just an R or a D or an L for libertarian or I for independent. I mean, you investigate these people and find out what they're all about. Find out if they're calling for smaller government and lower taxes. And by the way, that doesn't even mean they'll keep a a campaign promise. I'm just saying, you know, the words that they use, particularly if they've never held office before and you don't have a vote history to judge them by, that's all you got is their words they're using when they're campaigning. Who's got the time, Pat? Yep. (laughs) I know. Who's got the time? I know. (laughs) But also, too, uh, we'll, we'll kick ourselves wishing we had make the time when people do realize, and unfortunately, and I don't know if I said this on your show before, I know a lot of people get upset when I say this, but the United States is right now transitioning into a form of communism. It's called feudalism. Now, yes. I, when I do public speaking, and I do a lot of public speaking, by the way, um, I resist the temptation to start educating people on all the isms. Yeah. Because it's confusing and there's a lot of them. Um, so I generally say, we're going into communism because feudalism is a form of communism. Right. And that's exactly what's happening in the United States of America right now. And we'll get into more details on this. And you and I have a mutual friend who's been looking into how state resources are starting to show up on, um, you know, legislation in states. And we're talking about water, minerals, yeah. and things of that nature in order to set up the framework for a new world order. And it's happening from your state, not from your federal government. Now, and this is another thing I say, this is part of my stump you know, speech when I go talk publicly to a Republican Central Committee um, or anyone else for that matter, is it's extremely, extremely important that people take these matters seriously because the federal government has less of an impact on you than you can imagine. It's your state government and local government that has the biggest impact on you. And you need to take this very seriously because things are happening in our states right now that are taking us closer to Klaus Schwab than most of us would normally be comfortable with. Yeah, And we don't know it because we're not reading state legislation or we're not hooked up with people who are uh, reading state legislation. Yeah, and, and, it, and it almost has to happen that way. The yes. way that things are set up here, correct. it would, uh, by definition, have to start at the local level. These, these uh, I don't know, the, all the World Economic Forum, 15-minute uh, cities, uh, mm-hmm. private-public partnerships, all the details that Eat people... Eat <laughs> yeah, live in your pod and eat the bugs. Um, all the stuff that people are getting tuned into now on a global level, you know, they're seeing Davos, they're seeing the UN, sure. they're seeing all these, you know, the EU's movements, and it's big and scary. But what's bigger and scarier is that it's happening right down the road from you. That's correct. It's not happening at the federal government. Yeah. People think it is, but it's not. It truly isn't. It's happening at your state level, gang, and your water in your state is kind of a sovereign thing there that kind of belongs to the people who live in the state. We have legislation that a mutual friend found that basically says no one can take, and by the way, legislation, it's not a law, it's not been passed, it's going through the system right now, that says that no one, no one can take water out of the state of Missouri or pipe it out unless they have a permission slip from the Department of Natural Resources. Uh, Well, guess who gets those permission slips, gang? 
It's those very same people that are putting all the money in all those packs. Right. Exactly what we were just talking about. Exactly what the Freedom Caucus is fighting. This fascism in, in America, but more specifically in Missouri. Yeah. So we look at all the things Klaus Schwab is promising, you know, basically, uh, you know, they, we're going to get rid of the cars. We're going to, uh, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to, everyone's going to be eating bugs. No one will own land anymore. They'll be happy. But of course, what he's not telling you is who will own the land. And that's government and the 1% that put money into PACs. Those are the owners. Those are the stakeholders in the end game here that Klaus Schwab keeps railing on and on about. Klaus Schwab and others. I mean, there's other people that represent him as well. Yeah. And we have to fight this on the state level because that's how they're getting access to our resources, not through the federal government. The federal government is not writing uh, legislation saying, well, Missouri has the biggest, um, and by the way, we have the most potable water underground than any other state. Oh. We share it with Arkansas, though. It's a huge underground lake. Oh, that's good to know. It's potable. It's clean. It, you could drink it right out, you know, pump it out of the ground and drink it. And, mm. and it's very clean water. And apparently a lot of people want it. And uh, so that's why we have legislation going through the system. But oddly enough, the legislation is about piping it out of the state, interestingly enough. Yeah. You know, it's not about pumping it out and selling it to people in the state. It's about pumping it out of the state. Yeah. And all they need is that little permission slip from the DNR. Um, and, you know, of course, that that's a political ploy. I mean, anyone who is, um, you know, making those PAC payments is going to have access to the water suddenly. And, of course, the people would be none the wiser. We wouldn't even know what's going on. Yeah. We, you know, most – go ahead. As long as your tap turns on, you're not going to even think about it. That's right. Until it doesn't, and then it's too late. Um, you know, and it's so interesting, too, because you can name off the top of my head maybe a half a dozen other states that are going through similar stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. water in states is one of these sort of underlying conflicts that's going on that does not get a lot of media. But there is a very good chance, folks, that wherever you are in the U.S., that there is a, a push to make these small, incremental, seemingly, you know, benign changes to the rules about the water beneath your feet. And, I mean, again, it, you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes. You can just read it and say, oh, wow, that's, that seems like it could have some unintended consequences if somebody mm -hmm. had the, the pull or the money to uh, get their permission slip. It's happening all over the place. And, you know, it's so inspiring i'll go positive on this patrick mm -hmm. i'm staying optimistic mm -hmm. it's inspiring to talk to you and in turn you know share what you do and your information your advice your experiences with lots of people because it is it's almost like an, a conversation ending thing to say. And it comes up with a lot of black-pilled people. It's like, oh, yeah, the New World Government, WEF, uh, uh, but what do we do about it? I deal with that, it? too. What do we do about it? I guess mm -hmm. I'll just keep living my life, and I'll, there's nothing we can do. Just have more babies and, uh, you know, live a good life. And that is good. Mm -hmm. But part of live a good life is live a politically responsible life where you dear listener the individual not not a metaphorical listener 
who's listening. Not, uh, you know, some sort of platonic ideal of a Canary Cry listener. The literal person who is hearing me right now can take steps in your uh, local government. Even if it's as easy as taking an afternoon and showing up at a representative's place. Of course, you want to team up and find more people who are doing this. I'm sure there's organizations in every state that would welcome your involvement, whether it's as simple as signing petitions or showing up at a rally and filling out a card. These are the real, literal, impactful things that everyone can do, not just the people who, you know, think that they've, uh, they've got some sort of destiny to be in politics. Being in politics is being a citizen, uh, which should give everybody optimism about our ability to repel uh, the sort of anti-liberty, anti-individualist, anti-American, anti-everything uh, wave that is tumbling across uh, tumbling across the globe right now and as an american because we know this is happening all over the world we know eu is having issues un like everybody's buying in but an american is very specifically in a place where they can make a difference mm -hmm. and if there's enough you know not every country has that ability not everywhere in the world all these places who are sort of falling like dominoes to the agenda you know they don't always have the same rights the same ability the same uh, uh doors to be able to walk through as an american citizen so as an american citizen getting involved and stepping in putting your toe in the door not just to your legislature's office but also you know to the the globalist sort of idea of utopia uh you can make a difference in a way that billions of other people cannot. Each and every American is in this empowered situation, and there's billions of others who could not do it in your stead. So it's your responsibility to get involved. Sure. And it's, it's spiritual warfare, gang. And we know this. I know you guys talk about this a lot. But the fact of the matter is it is purely spiritual warfare when it comes to your rights because they do not come from the Constitution. They do not come from the federal government. They come from God, Right. period, end of story. It, it, it said so in the Declaration of Independence that we are endowed with these rights from our Creator. Yeah. So yeah. the fact of the matter is, fighting to keep your rights, government shouldn't even have the right to take away your rights. That's why they were limited in what they could do, even with the Supremacy Clause in the United States Constitution. They're limited because they weren't supposed to be able to take your rights. Yeah. Not your Second Amendment right. Your right to, you know, I'm sorry, it's not a Second Amendment right. It's it's just echoes what you have in the Declaration of Independence, the right to self-defense. Yeah, you right have the privacy. right from God, and the government cannot infringe upon it. Correct. That's why the founders put that your rights came from God. Yeah, and and by the way, the founding fathers didn't put it in there just to make a political statement. I mean, these guys, you know, were looking at the way things happen in nature. Mm -hmm. So you go out into nature, and you see, you know, for instance, you know, a, a bear, you know, attacking another animal. The other animal has some form of self-defense: yeah. teeth, claws, something. Oh my gosh! They have a right to defend their existence, their life. 
I just from saw, that other threat. I just saw a jackrabbit fight off a coyote. It was the most valiant battle I've ever seen. It was incredible. <laughs> a cute little that bunny just ripping into this coyote. It was it was outrageous. Sorry, yeah. just had to share that on the show. No, that little <laughs> a good point. You know, and so, and that's a great uh, David and Goliath story, actually. But the fact of the matter is. We have to fight to keep these rights because government has become, unfortunately, postmodern, post-constitutional, and they think that it is within their purview uh, in order to provide the general welfare. That name has, or that word has also changed. Mm. By the way, if you want to read the U.S. Constitution, you've got to get a 1750s dictionary mm. because the words, the meanings of the words in our Constitution, in the Declaration of Independence, many of them have changed. Mm. welfare is a great example I, w- I don't want to get into that today though yeah, but, yeah. but the fact is you have to fight for your rights because government is taking them away even though they are firmly restricted from doing so by the words in the u.s constitution which they swear an oath to when they take office and are not following their oaths This is a spiritual warfare through and through from beginning to finish. These rights come from God and man is taking them away because he wants to replace God. Yeah. It's that simple gang. They want control over your life. So we in Missouri are taking this very personally and we're also taking it very seriously. We're not giving up our rights. The Second Amendment Preservation Act we talked about in the last video is a great example of that. And by the way, on February 16th, and we're just talking about 15 days from now, we have our day in court in the Eighth Circuit. Because remember now, the federal government is trying to take away Missouri's Second Amendment Preservation Act by using what's called the Supremacy Clause. Yeah. But it simply doesn't apply because it has to be pursuant to the Constitution. The Second Amendment is not pursuant to the Constitution. It has to do with the right, not a limitation of government. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't want to get too technical. No, no. Um, I'm, I'm a constitutional nerd, by the yeah. way. Um, I'm so, an aspiring constitutional nerd. Hey, awesome. <laughs> yeah, if only Gons were here. I feel like we could all go bowling uh-huh. on a Sunday and have a meaningful conversation during the game about the Constitution. I think we should put it on the calendar. Um, so we're fighting for these rights in missouri because we have these rights from god and we're letting the politicians know i'm sorry you don't have rights to take away our rights look at the constitution and nothing nothing has changed nothing has been amended to say the u.s government has rights to take away your rights that's Mm. never happened post-constitutional post-modern civilization we're in now is all about who gets to control you yeah that's what everything's about now so and it it, is a spiritual war i mean that's it is and and anybody listening right now whether you're a believer whether you're not you can take it both ways i don't care in this case you can call it a metaphorical spiritual war you can call it a literal spiritual war i mean i personally believe it's literal we got a lot of different kind of people listening but the point is that uh because it is a spiritual war it manifests in a lot of strange ways and you and much like that bunny getting attacked by the coyote it can get some kick once you start yes. getting involved in you know holding the authority in your identity as a as a human being a child of god and mm-hmm. it's not out of the realm of course that the the 
evil side of that spiritual war will do anything it possibly can to put you down or at least to convince you to stop fighting. And I'm curious, Patrick, because we recently watched the Take Back Our Borders trucker Mm -hmm. convoy. uh, And the first day of the convoy, we got all these mainstream uh, outlets talking about, oh, all these, all this convoy, they're so paranoid about the feds. They think it's a J6 trap. They think it's, uh, you know, they're all paranoid and turning on each other. Uh, and then somebody slashed their tires and then somebody gave them wrong directions and somebody had to get kicked out and somebody, and you're like, this sounds almost exactly like their paranoia was actually founded. It sounds like a step-by-step sort of sabotage campaign from the book. Infiltration, exactly. Mm -hmm. And of course, we all know that the media and the powers that be are just itching for reasons to, you know, do horrible things to people's lives just for being involved, just for talking about it, just for posting about it. And so, you know, as far as that that concept of infiltration and, you know, having a a target on your back, God forbid, um, is that some, how do you, how do you relay that to uh, the people in the freedom initiative? How do you, I mean, is, is that a concern? Have you, it is, it is. I've had uh, two, and I'm not going to talk about specifics, but two people that, um, uh, in the past, and this was a while back, this wasn't recent, that really were trying to muscle their way in, um, and, and it comes into money. And I need to talk about that part too. Yeah. Um, muscle themselves into uh, a corporate filing for the Missouri Freedom Initiative. Hmm. And um, both of these people uh, definitely didn't, they don't participate in any activities that we do. They're not with us for knock and shock. They're not making phone calls. They're not doing emails. You know, they're not participating in live streams. They just wanted their name on the, on some sort of corporate paperwork mm-hmm. saying that they were one of the main people in the freedom initiative. It's very suspicious. So, you know, of course it is. And, uh, one of them I would actually define as a sociopath clinically. Yeah. Uh, but the, the deal is the Missouri Freedom Initiative, and I'm very upfront about this, and I've got reasons to talk about, even from something that happened after the rally, which was kind of interesting. And I, I would like to share some of those experiences with uh, shutting down school bonds, uh, preventing them from uh, being able to get on the ballot or shutting them down when they are on the ballot. Um, and, and for very specific reasons, we, we, we love kids. We think they should be in safe schools, but there's other reasons, gang. And that is the Missouri Freedom Initiative is not incorporated. In fact, the name is not even registered with the state. Hmm. It's simply three words out of the dictionary that thousands of people across the state assemble under to get good conservative stuff done in their state. Hmm. Do you know what that means? We're not lobbyists. They can't come after us. Hmm. Yeah. So this is freedom. Now, we talk about what freedom is and what you fight for when it comes to freedom. And this is the ultimate freedom, but there's no money in it. So anyone who's interested in making money in the fight for freedom is not interested in the Missouri Freedom Initiative. Right. Because it ain't there. 
We don't have it. Oh, we don't take donations. Go ahead. Yeah, no, sorry. I'm just saying that's very interesting. What a, it's it's very sort of clever, but it's also such a powerful sort of spiritual defense. That's correct. It's, I was going to get into that, and I'm going to uh, – you took the words out of my mouth. Actually, hold that back for just a little okay. bit because I want right. to tell a story. Yeah. My wife and I – my wife uh, is a prominent member of the Freedom Initiative as well, um, and we have lots of good leaders. You know, my wife and I – count ourselves very fortunate to be surrounded by terrific leaders and and uh, we talk about one of them uh, on and off screen and uh, it was a mutual friend of ours is a tremendous leader as well uh, I'll, I'll just call him Isaac and uh, but one of the things that we do in the initiative is we actually go and speak in school districts after we my wife actually uh, does a <laughs> believe it or not um, she actually does an assessment of their bonds, where they're at financially. It's nothing less than a full bond audit before they actually go for a bond on the ballot for the school district. And we go and do these meetings and, and presentations in different school districts all over the state. There's no money in it. No one gives us, you know, gas money or anything. I mean, we, we pay for our way. Um, and we go and actually give this information and do handouts. We do PowerPoint presentations. And I'm not going to get into all the dynamics and technicals of what we're showing them because it's it's uh, a lot of it's just plain math. We're talking fourth grade math here. You don't have to be an astronomer, you know, with calculus to figure out how they're misspending money or how they play shell games with money in public school systems across this nation. Mm. It's actually pretty easy to figure out. Um, but the fact is, we're, we're attacked. We were attacked on Tuesday night. My wife and I, when we were done with what we were doing, knock and shock in the rally up in, in Jefferson City, we drove to a town that was an hour away called Owensville and did actually a, a little bit of a meet and greet and a presentation for the people there about a bond that they will be voting on in April. And now uh, I'm not going to go into the particulars of the meeting and how we were attacked in the meeting but by specific people. Um, for just presenting numbers, math, <laughs> data. Um, and we were immediately attacked um, by about three people. And they ended up being spouses of people that are, uh, by the way, the superintendent didn't show, even though she was invited. The school board members didn't show. They were invited. But they did send their spouses. Weird. So they're cowards. Yeah. Um, you know, basically, we're not attacking them directly. We're just talking about math here. So, and we'll come back to that spiritual warfare part here in a second. But the fact is that we don't get anything out of this. We're just educating people. And it's the same thing with the initiative and what we're doing on legislation that's going to take state resources and reallocate them to other parts of the country without your knowledge and without compensation. Hmm. And so that's something Isaac's working on. Um, but the fact of the matter is the spiritual warfare on the school side is something that I, I had never truly encountered before. And so, and we're talking about now, I, I will tell you the official position of the Missouri Freedom Initiative when it comes to education. And that is school choice through and through and no strings attached vouchers. That's our position. So we are not necessarily against public schools. However, we're against many of the policies that they're implementing within the public schools. If they want to borrow more money from the people, they better darn well have a good reason to do so and not putting AstroTurf on the football field. Yeah. 
you know, you know what I'm saying, Baz? Yeah, totally. Meant, okay, without me going into details of what these people are asking money for, which they never do anyway, in the shell games they play, like taking out bonds, and instead of actually performing a task or doing something with it, uh, actually rolling it up into a new bond and turning it into an investment interest, uh, uh, instrument and throwing it out into the open market for people to invest in so they can get the interest off that bond while the people are paying the interest on the original bond that was converted into a new financial instrument. Yeah, some, These are the shell games I'm talking about, by the nice way, and it happens everywhere. Babylonian money magic there. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't want to get all, <laughs> yeah, it's, there's no way I'm not going to get all political. I try to keep it light <laughs> and non-technical so we can, you know, have, you know, a, a more of a foundational discussion than a technical one. Yeah. But the spiritual warfare is apropos when I talk about my dealings having to do with schools. And this is my assessment. This is my personal assessment. This is not Missouri Freedom Initiative. This is my assessment from dealing specifically with folks on school issues in the state of Missouri. Some of these folks are possessed that are pushing for the public schools. There's something wrong with them. And it's not because it's a general thing I throw out. That guy's possessed. That girl's possessed. It's the fact that they are so angry and swearing, sometimes spitting on me. You know, when all I'm doing is presenting data. Yeah. I mean, it's weird, Baz. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can see it. You can feel it when you come into contact with these sorts of people in these sorts of situations. And it's hard to sort of uh, communicate to somebody who might not have reference for it. But it's as simple as you know sort of in your soul that the person in front of you is not the person driving the truck at the moment there's something yep. else making the decisions there's something else getting in the way of how this person would otherwise uh, be yeah. acting or what they'd be yes. saying and there's two things in this argument that that are really front and center with school choice and by the way i'm not going to turn this into a school choice video <laughs> okay. number one control of the children Number two, money. Yeah. Monet monetizing the children, basically. That's correct. That's what they're doing. They're monetizing the children through through information. Now, I'm not going to get into class wallets, uh, you know, which is social credit scoring within the public schools, which is something that they're starting. Um, you know, we could talk about, you know, digital currency, CDBCs all day long, but they're starting to incorporate it into a reward system in the public schools called digital class wallets. Hmm. And so maybe that's something that we can uh, dedicate a show to towards and I need to do more research so I can speak to it better. But this is something that's up and coming in the next few years here, gang. And so yeah, this is something in the public here. schools. I'm gonna write that down so we can sure. remember it for last time or next time. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and I, th I think Gons would be a great person to have in that conversation as well. Totally. Because he, he could probably, he probably already knows all this stuff anyway. Um, but the fact of the matter is, information is the currency of the future for people in power. It is not dollars. It is not CDBCs. It's not even silver and gold. Mm. It's information. Information is actually the best form of currency too, because there's no taxes on it. Mm. Now you know why all the masters out there all the, you know, the, the, you know, the people that are controlling society 
I mean, I don't know what else you want to call them, the, the elite, the one percenters, mm-hmm. the Illuminati, um, the moguls. The magicians. I mean, there's lots of names for them. They want to deal in information because they don't want to pay taxes. You and I will be dealing in something that we have to pay taxes with. And, and God love all those people out there that think the central bank digital currency is the best thing since pizza and beer. <laughs> because, gosh darn it, when you're going to give your kid or your grandkid $50 for their birthday and transfer it from your phone to their phone. And suddenly it's not 50 bucks anymore. It's 40 bucks because little Susie had to pay federal taxes on her birthday gift. (laughs) I mean, this is, it's about taxation control and knowing what you do with your money. That's what the central bank digital currency is about. Having the ability to have anonymous transactions is something very, very, very important that's being left out of the conversation here. And you know why? Because the moguls aren't worried about it. They're going to be dealing in information. They're not going to be dealing with digital currency or CDBCs. They're not going to subject themselves to that level of tyranny. Hmm. I mean, honest to God, gang, um, you know, when, when people are paid off, you know, politicians are paid off. It's generally not in dollars. Yeah, there's PAC money that goes in, but there's other ways of rewarding these politicians. Right. And information is a very big way of doing that. So I'm sorry. I, f- I feel like I got on the soapbox and no. actually took a tangent. Uh, but I wanted to talk about the school thing that we're dealing with here. And by the way, we've been very successful in shutting down school bonds in the past. We don't talk about it much because it's mainly just my wife and I. It's not the whole initiative. It's something my wife and I have taken on as a, a special project uh, to go and speak all around the state and help to shut down these school bonds when they are unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Now, we have never gone and, and literally tore or reamed a school apart because they needed a new school building for the children. We have never done that ever. And I promise you, God is my witness, that is the truth. But when they don't want a school building and they want anything but a school building, you can bet my wife and I are there reaming them. <laughs> We're tearing them a new one. We're actually showing the math on what they're doing with their numbers. Um, but there are, believe it or not, I think we found two responsible school districts so far in the state of Missouri out of 550. That's great. You know, and it's yep. so interesting too, because you talk about the currency of information. Mm-hmm. Uh, in The currency of information wise, a lot of these people, a lot of them, not all of them, a lot of them are broke as far as information's concerned. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just sort of uh, undereducated and over, uh, you know, uh, what's the word? <laughs> Over-socialized. Sure. Under-informed, you know, they're going with the going because that's the way the going's going. And when somebody is able to give them something that they could not give themselves, which is the information about the mistake that they're making. If they, mm-hmm. if they were able to figure it out themselves, they would. But if they haven't, they are unable to, to enrich themselves in that way. And then somebody comes along, gives them something priceless, which is information about decisions they're making or opportunities they have or mistakes mm-hmm. that they are falling into. It's it's interesting because you can get a couple of different reactions. One of them is, oh my goodness, wow, thank you. This uh, this means a lot. I'm no longer broke in information. Mm-hmm. Or they can get really mad about it because if you're giving someone 
a piece of value that they don't understand. They think it's trash and they're offended by the, the, the waste that you're putting before them when they don't realize that it's, uh, you know, a, a pearl. I guess there is an easy mm-hmm. biblical reference there, pearls before swine. Uh, but it's oftentimes a thankless job, Patrick. Yes, it is. It is. And that's, you know, and that's a very good way of putting it and actually laying out a red carpet for the idea itself that information is, in fact, a currency. And it always has been. But the fact is, uh, I think we're taking it to a new level now. When you can know everything about a person's habits, what they spend money on, uh, if they consume lots of entertainment or television or whatever, know what they're watching. Yeah. Um, if you know where they work, if you know what their hobbies are, um, you can own that person psychologically pretty simply through advertising. Yeah. And, and this is just a fact. But the same thing is true with kids. The problem is, and, and once again, I don't want to get into a big philosophical or psychological conversation on this, but during the formative years of a child, I mean, that's when the schools really, 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 really matter. Right. Um, if the schools are pumping in garbage, that garbage is really hard to get rid of psychologically speaking it's going to take years and years of therapy uh, as an adult to get rid of that garbage they got in their formative years Mm. and schools are trying to get kids younger and younger they're trying to start doing daycares in schools so they can actually take uh, kids as uh, at one year old you know and that way they just you know they go to daycare when their brothers and sisters at school or whatever Uh, and basically the schools have them at one year old then and uh, all the way up until they're in kindergarten. You know, that's, the whole idea here is control and lack of freedom. Yeah. Um, the and tyranny I of it, convenience but, there, too, for the yeah, parents. Absolutely. They, they do it through convenience. This is how people lose their freedoms is by bowing to convenience. Yeah. In fact, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. And people are not going to like me for this. I mean, this is one of those ones where people are going to get upset with me. Eventually, you're going to have to totally get rid of this. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, we should be doing it now. For those just because, listening, he's holding up his phone. Yep. Uh, yes, I'm holding up my cell phone. It's a smartphone. Yeah. That is the key to their control is the fact that we buy these smartphones. I guarantee it. This is totally key for them to control us. Yet we buy them willingly. Mm-hmm. In fact, some people spend $2,000 on a phone. Yeah. Um, shoot, it, I, I laugh because I'm old enough to remember spending $300 on my first car. Jeez. Um, <laughs> oh, but, um, and it was used, of course. I'm not that old, gang. <laughs> um, but that is the control mechanism for all of us within Western society. It's not just America. It's not just Missouri. Is that smartphone. And the day is coming where we're going to have to dump them because if we don't, we are willingly giving up what little freedom we have left. And that's because your digital wallet will be there. You know, your, uh, your social credit score will be based on your phone. That phone will be identified as you, you will be your phone and the phone will be you. Now you talked about Neuralink yesterday on your show. Mm Mm-hmm. And people, we're not we're not far off from this. At some point, we could get rid of our cell phones by just putting chips in our heads. And so, so basically, yep. And eventually, uh, and trust me, that tech uh, is probably less than twenty years off now. And 
you know, and I, I know a lot of people say we don't have 20 years. Oh, no, I'd say it's even <laughs> faster than 20 years. I think that's optimistic thinking we've yep. got 20 years, but the point's made. Yep. So, uh, in other words, like the Missouri Freedom Initiative, we sacrifice. We sacrifice as individuals to support freedom in the state of Missouri because we are not getting paid. But equally, we're all going to have to sacrifice these cell phones at some point in time if we want to keep our freedoms. I could feel and it's people's not, shoulders noticed. clenching up at the very yep. idea. I know. And, and by the way, uh, that cell phone, I could, I could actually give it up at any time and go to a, a, a clam phone. The only thing that I really like is speech to text, but I understand they're doing that on the clam or the, you know, standard clam phones now. They're getting pretty so, fancy. Because I don't use the internet on my phone, even though I have it. I use it to make and receive phone calls. I do store my contact list in there. That's very important to me. And I send and receive texts and I use GPS because I do a lot of driving. Yeah. And that's all I do with the smartphone, by the way. So it's actually be pretty easy for me to go back to uh, mapping out my destination before I leave. <laughs> and uh, let me turn that off. I'm sorry. Speaking um, of which. Yep. Uh, so, but at any rate, for freedom, there's going to be sacrifice is what I'm trying to say to everyone here. But the sacrifice is not on the federal level. It's on the state level. And, and I, once again, I'm going to appeal to everyone who's watching on a couple of things. First of all, um, uh, I'm going to have to turn that off again. I'm going to turn my phone off, actually. They're, they're trying to get in the way. They're yep. trying to keep us from talking. Nope, nope, nope. That's uh, people in the initiative trying to get a hold of me, by oh, the way. Okay. Um, and and I, I really try my best not to upset people. And you know, I really don't because it really doesn't serve a purpose. But I'm telling you, communism is coming. And so first off, it's very important people understand and take that away. People are putting themselves in danger right now by fighting that communism, the Klaus Schwabi stuff, the feudalism. Um, the, in fact, you tie the school stuff into land ownership. And I didn't get to that point, Baz, but I, I don't know if I could belabor that point uh, and educate people um, in an effective way in a short period of time. But, uh, you know, property ownership and then, of course, the property taxes that many um, states, you know, pay for schools is directly linked. But the people that put themselves in danger need prayer. And these are people, everyday people, that are literally fighting on the state level that are actually making a difference. They're making waves. They're getting noticed. You know, these are the kind of people where spiritual protection is necessary. Yeah. And I agree. You know, basically, there's all kinds of levels of protection that people can take. You know, basically, you can be a concealed carry holder. You, know, you could learn Kung Fu. Um, but there is absolutely nothing better than prayer. Prayer is the first line Amen. of defense. Amen. Um, without any, and, and by the way, I'm a big second amendment guy and I'll tell you prayer is better. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I would ask that everyone consider praying, um, for the people out there that are fighting for freedom. Like we are here in the state of Missouri, this freedom caucus thing is the beginning of something much bigger. Um, so, and there's a lot of people upset, apple carts are being turned over right and left and people are being exposed, bad actors are being exposed. And that's usually when they get upset. And that's, so, that's how the war is won. I mean, that's correct. We're not joking when we talk about it's a spiritual 
a spiritual war. I mean, you, we've seen recently uh, people getting all hyped up about civil war and violence and, you know, taking, uh, you know, whatever, taking back the border. There's been, um, you know, in a violent way, the, the mm -hmm. Second Amendment roots into, you know, protecting our rights and things like that. And I think that's kind of part of this um, uh, infiltration agenda. I mean, especially if you're a believing person, you're a biblical, uh, Bible-believing worldview, spiritual worldview person. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not violence through which spiritual warfare is won. It's like you said, it's sacrifice, it's prayer. It's These are the things that are so rebellious to everything going on, not just culturally, although including culturally, but politically and, and uh, you know, economically. It is not your violence that they fear. It's your sacrifice, because sacrificing your phone, sacrificing your convenience more than anything. I mean, if we had uh, the ability to truly see into the spiritual realm, what power is held in sacrificing the temptations of the world and not just the classic ones, not just your drink or your smoke or your right. your women or whatever. I mean, that's certainly something you should consider sacrificing, but it's, it's these small tyrannical conveniences that uh, when you sacrifice them for, in, in the name of freedom, that is enraging to the system that is enraging to the spiritual enemy because that's the door that's the key in uh, that's the gate through which the enemy can take his victory uh, but s sacrificing your entitlement to an easy life or your entitlement mm -hmm. to a convenient thing uh, your ability to d do things easier and faster and stuff like that uh, your ability to let those things go are truly massive hits to the enemy in this sort of mm -hmm. spiritual war and m more than anything particularly for yourself. The victory for your own piece of the battlefield comes with that and with enough people fighting that battle and winning that battle in their own lives. That's when you start seeing massive change. And again, you see these victories sort of in a spiritual realm happening in ways that your violence could never ever accomplish your mm -hmm. violence is what they want their violence is what gives them permission to be violent back and you know as and to uh, take more rights and it's yeah and to it, it's their sort of um impetus to to ramp up their uh you know when when first you had to consent to giving up your freedoms once violence gets involved they don't need your consent anymore your your violence is consent to being taken by the enemy. Uh, so you know we just saw the the whole mess online with the guy and his uh, his father murdered his father and tried to start this rebellion and all the sort of talk about civil war at the border and the the 
infiltration of violence into the the convoy and it just ruins everything um so i think that point that you're making is maybe one of the most important parts of what people can take uh from this conversation sure and and i appreciate that a great deal uh being able to just talk about that on that level and once again if you watch our live streams i generally don't get this uh psychological or or philosophical I really don't, but the fact is it's coming to that point now because we're starting to make a difference. We're making a dent in, you know, basically the establishment now. And we're pointing out how they control individual bills, not just, you know, hey, they're big, powerful people with money and they're controlling politicians. No, there's a payment pretty much for every bill that they want tabled or to fail or to get through or to get through. Right. And we're really good at shutting down bills. And that's a lot easier than getting something through, by the way. Getting a bill through, um, you know, like gold and silver, we should talk about that a bit. Getting a bill like that through, it takes a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of effort. And yet these bad bills go through so easily with no resistance, no, no interruption to the flow. You know, they just, just slip right through the system. Well, that's because I don't have money to give politicians to make good things happen. Right. I just don't have it. Um, but I suspect that if I had money and I was giving PAC money to the leaders in the in Missouri state to make sure that gold and silver get through, I'm pretty sure it would get right through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, then, but we show up with manpower, you know, basically people giving up of their, of their time, of course, their gas money, you know, every time I take a trip to the Capitol, that's uh, guaranteed uh, $60 in gas money. I got to take the day off of work. So I'm not getting paid. Um, so it is a sacrifice to go up to the Capitol and yeah. I do it as often as I can during the legislative season. Yeah. But the sacrifice, the big sacrifices, um, you know, basically are come with risk, it seems like. And, you know, and I'm, I'm talking about it on the physical side, not on the spiritual side. Mm -hmm. I think on the spiritual side, you get rewarded over and over again exponentially, I think. You know, basically when you take on risk to actually take on, you know, what are perceived as the bad people. Right. The, I, I don't want to call people with money evil. I don't want to necessarily go down that route. But I do know people with money that do evil things with that money. Yeah. And so that's a fact. And it happens in every state, gang. And Missouri is no different. So I ask for prayer for everyone who's fighting for freedom in the state of Missouri. Um, uh, from everyone um, to literally just remember that these people are actually, I, I'm not saying they're necessarily putting themselves in harm's way. But I think we might be on the precipice of doing something like that. You know, when you expose big stuff, you know, big money, big ideas and resources of a state, you know, basically, um, you know, in legislation that basically puts it up for grabs to the highest bidder with no accountability to the people. Um, I think that's probably the, the avenue where, you know, basically uh, we need to wear, you know, every single uh, piece of armor from God and then get prayer as well. So please yeah. pray for the folks in Missouri fighting for freedom. And I there's think, a lot of us. Yeah. So. That, I'm, I think that's the sort of call, uh, this, you know, the call to spiritual arms here, folks. This is, you know, this is obviously a time that is unprecedented and it's people like you, Patrick, and the people you uh, participate with and the people who mm -hmm. are inspired by you to participate. Those are the people uh, that we need to be keeping in our prayers 
on a daily basis. And yes, especially you, because um, we appreciate uh, making sure we can get these reports from you from the front sure. lines. <laughs> and yeah, it's extremely powerful. You know, I uh, apologize. I haven't been so uh, respectful of your time here. Uh, we've had a, a, a great chunk of time. Um, I do have a dentist appointment. I'm just looking at the clock I have to get to. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I thought, hey, if society is going to collapse, I better get one more dentist appointment in beforehand uh, so I can stretch out these chompers. Uh, that's officer's thinking. Though. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, but, Patrick, this has been really incredible. I'm sorry we have to cut it just a little short here. Um, but, you know, I am... It is being confirmed in my soul that not waiting so long to have you come back uh, was the right thing to do and will be the right thing to do in the future. Um, and if people are interested in what you're doing, uh, perhaps they missed the previous uh, interview, but if they're interested in what you're doing, if they like what you have to say, if they want to get in contact with you, how, uh, how can they do that? You bet. Uh, the website is the easiest thing to do, and and there's an email list that we have, and that's really important because we are censored quite a bit in many places, and email is the most effective way to get something done quickly. Uh, MoFree.org, M-O for Missouri, MoFree.org. Uh, just uh, go right there to our website and then basically get on the email list. But We also try to update the website as much as possible. But I know that uh, the big issue we talked about in the last one was the silver and gold bill that Missouri uh, Freedom Initiative is supporting in yeah. trying to get through the system this year in 2024. And you did a great job of putting together that video showing what we were up against on the <laughs> House floor um, with the, the Democrats worried about Nazi gold getting into circulation in the state of Missouri. Yeah, and not to mention the zombie silver zombie apocalypse silver that's right <laughs> um so that's something we're very big into but we're also into shutting down bills that take away our freedoms uh we do have a lot of people looking through legislation in the state of missouri there's over 300 or 3,000 pieces of legislation i believe this year so it takes a lot of time and effort you know for people to do it but there's a lot of people doing it which helps out a great deal I can't say enough for the grassroots in the state of Missouri, not just the Missouri Freedom Initiative. We are one of many wonderful grassroots organizations in the state of Missouri working hard to make sure that Missouri does not become Illinois. Mm. And if that's something that interests you and you live in a different state, um, I would strongly consider fighting for freedom in your state as well. Because if you don't, you will become Illinois. It's guaranteed. All you have to do is do nothing. In California, Illinois, New York, these things happen, folks. And that's because people were not good stewards of their politicians. Mm. That's how that happens. Missouri, we've recognized there's a problem, and we're, get, we're gathering in strength, and we're fighting it now. So we do not become the next state to become California, New York, or Illinois. And so that's a stark warning to all of you because the plan is to go to feudalism you won't have property rights. And so that's essentially where they're going. And that must be fought on the state level because federal government can't do anything about property. I meant real estate inside of a state. Mm. So that's on your state level gang. That's where your freedoms emanate from. They, uh, you know, basically everything you've gotten from God, the, f the foundation of that is property rights, property rights. 
And so that's what everyone seems to forget. And, and, and property taxes is a very big part of that. That's why we're on the working the school side of things too. So I guess the best thing I could leave you with is it's don't think that you can actually get good things done in Washington, DC, because you can't. Um, it's impossible unless you're rich. If you're rich, yes, you can get things done in Washington, DC. If you're not rich, work where it actually really matters, your state. And nothing, there is nothing that a politician fears or enjoys more than your visit to them at the state capitol. If you can't do that, call them often, email them often. Um, keep talking to them about issues, about legislation that's going through your state because you have to take responsibility for your own freedom because no one is going to do it for you. No one. Not even your your representative unless you're talking to them on a regular basis. Amen. Amen. You, American, listening to me right now, you have the power. You have the power in ways that others do not. So mm -hmm. to not use that power is giving your consent to whatever they want Correct. to do. Yeah, that's right. Not using your power is consent to losing your freedom. That is that's, correct. That's right. Thank you so much, Patrick Holland from the Missouri Freedom Initiative is always such a pleasure. And uh, I thank you from everybody here at Canary Cry and everybody listening and anybody new finding the show. Uh, we really do appreciate the time that uh, you've given us and uh, have promised to give us in the future. I love coming back, uh, and you guys are just awesome to me, and I really appreciate you guys letting me tell the story of how one state is fighting to keep the freedoms for its people for over 6 million souls. Thank you very much for having me back, Baz, and I'll be, uh, I'll be keeping an eye out for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd love to hear it, and next time we'll get Gons on the line, too. It's enough. I uh, would love to talk to Gons. It's enough cool. Gons evasion we've had here. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of Canary Cry News Talk. Make sure to tune in next time, but until then, think outside the cage. God bless you all. Whee!